Morning, everybody. It's good to see you. And uh, we're continuing our series looking at the Holy Spirit today, uh, the person and the work of the Spirit. And I don't know if you've ever heard of a man called Frederick von Bodelschwing. Put your hands up if you've heard of Frederick von Bodelschwing, who didn't listen for the first service. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, uh, because we're carrying on our, ser- our series looking at the Holy Spirit, this man came to mind as we think about a particular aspect of the Holy Spirit that I think often we underestimate or underemphasize. So often we think about the Holy Spirit in terms of experiences or emotions, feelings, sometimes spectacular kind of supernatural displays of things that sort of are wow, drama. But Frederick von Bodelschwing, uh, I think, models something of the work of the Holy Spirit that we should actually never forget. And dare I say, is even more spectacular than many of those other things we often emphasize. Because Frederick von Bodelschwing was a pastor and led a community, a unique community, in the middle of Nazi Germany in the 1930s and 1940s. He oversaw something called the Bethel Institute. Uh, which was a unique community in Germany that housed, looked after, loved, cared, provided for hundreds of people with complex disabilities. Uh, And what Frederick von Bodelschwing and that community demonstrated was a beautiful expression of the Christian faith lived out because they stood firm in the middle of Nazi oppression. Hitler you may know, was intent on exterminating many people, including those with complex disabilities. They called it, quotes, mercy killing. And the Bethel community refused to give up their community members. Here was a unique community in which everybody was cared for. And the Nazis were intent on destroying and in fact, as that horrific euthanasia program carried is, made its way through, the Bethel Institute was therefore now the only place in Germany that saw none of their people killed. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because of Pastor von Bodelschwing. Here's what he said. As he was asked to fill out the forms to sign these people away so they could be taken away, he said this. You can put me into a concentration camp if you want. That is your affair. But as long as I am free, you do not touch one of my patients. I cannot change to fit the times or the wishes of the Fuhrer. I stand under orders from our Lord Jesus Christ. I love those words. Brilliant. And they came to mind as we look at this community in the book of Acts. The first Christians, the earliest church. Listen again to these words on the screen. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. So often we think of the Holy Spirit in terms of spiritual experience, powerful miracles. But what if an even greater miracle is the kind of generosity that Christians have modeled through history? The kind of generosity that puts the need of others above my own need for comfort and security. The kind of generosity that elevates the weak to positions of the greatest honor. The kind of generosity that stands firm in the face of evil for the sake of those who are sinned against. The kind of generosity that joyfully gives rather than critically takes. I'm so grateful 
to be part of a church community that models this kind of generosity. And we've heard stories here this morning around it, in which so many people give not just of money, but of time, of energy, of heart for the sake of others. But what if today the Holy Spirit wants to do something in our hearts to stir even greater generosity so that Riverside might be known as a place that gives life in which anyone with any need might know there's a place that has no needy persons among them. I want in. What if God wants to do a miracle in our own hearts today? Because that's exactly what's happening for these first Christians in the book of Acts. Jesus had just left his people, left his followers. The Holy Spirit had come dramatically in Pentecost, kicked off amazing things, miracles, healing. Thousands of people becoming followers of Jesus as the message about Jesus' death and resurrection went like wildfire. A breathtaking time. And in the verse just before the reading we had, we read these words. It's on the screen. Verse 31 of Acts chapter 4. After they'd prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's the sort of stuff we often attribute to the Holy Spirit. Amazing things happened. They were filled with the Spirit. The place was shaken. They spoke the word of God boldly. God's at work. He's doing incredible things. And the shock to our system is the very next verse. Here it is again. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Do you get the point? Yes, the work of the Holy Spirit is miracles of healing. Yes, the work of the Holy Spirit is empowering his people. They can't stop speaking about Jesus. Yes, the work of the Holy Spirit is maybe spiritual experiences. The place was shaken, but just as miraculous is the fact that none of them said any of their possessions was their own. The radical generosity. I don't know if you've heard the joke. What's the difference between a tightrope and a Yorkshireman? A tightrope sometimes gives a little bit. <laughs> um, now, apologies to any Yorkshiremen. One of my closest friends is from Leeds. Uh, very generous guy. And jokes like that get to the heart of things that actually all of us naturally aren't generous at heart. Not just Yorkshiremen. In fact, they're very generous. You know what I mean. Sure, there might be one or two of us that are a bit more naturally inclined like that to give. But most of us aren't naturally like that. But these new believers, look at it. Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Not just one or two keen ones. All, no one. Not just one or two generous types or one or two people who didn't quite have a handle on their money so they didn't care what they did with it. But actually none of them claimed any of their possessions was their own. That is a miracle, I think. And when you see what this generosity looks like in practice, I think there's four very brief things that I think are challenging for us, certainly challenging for me today. The first is this. That attitude that it's not mine, but it's ours. Verse 32. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own. I think that's fascinating. I remember hearing a few years ago, uh, somebody was talking about the money they had given to the church. 
not Riverside, actually. Um, and we're saying that, you know, they, they thought how important it was that we needed to be careful how we spent their money and the money of people in the church because, of course, the people in the church had given it to the church. And I understand what this individual was saying, but that's not how the earliest Christians saw it. They didn't see it, I'm giving of my money, so therefore be careful with it. No one claimed any of it was their own. As the book of Psalms says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And when we realize that everything we do have is a gift from God, even the breath in our lungs, then we're free to just be generous with it. Because we're not owners, we're stewards. And so therefore we use it in the way that God would use it. Not mine, but ours. And therefore we handle money carefully, thoughtfully, not for me, but because of God. Because it's his in the first place. That's hugely challenging, isn't it? Am I the only one that feels that's challenging? And I was thinking, how do we diagnose if we're more mine or our kind of people? And I wonder if one way to diagnose it is this. It's how we see what other people have. In the first service, uh, somebody said when act of generosity they had been given was that somebody, when they, had no, they really needed a car, someone gave them a car. Amazing act of generosity. But it can be so quick, can't it? Easy to sort of look at other people and say, oh, look at their car, they've got a new car. How do they afford that? And I wonder if that attitude says more about us than it does about them. Because I want that, not them. Whereas actually the earliest Christians, it's not mine, it's ours. What does it matter what other people have? So that's the first key thing. Not mine, but ours. Second act of generosity, second the way they approached generosity in this earliest church was do you notice that it wasn't exclusive? Let me read again verse uh, 33 and 34. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. I loved that in the first service, somebody put on the chat that they'd lost their job and so someone had come around to their house for a life group and had seen the utility bill on the, on the mantelpiece and then they'd just paid it without them knowing it. I mean, that's beautiful, isn't it? But there was no needy persons among them. It wasn't just one particular group, the really committed ones that look, got looked after, or the ones with the right background, racial heritage, the ones that kind of fit, fitted. The earliest Christians were so countercultural, so radical that everybody wanted in from outside because they saw there's a group of people that looked after you. And that's why in the Bible, when it talks about discipline in the church, you put them out of the community. That was why that was so serious. Because in the community, you knew that you were okay. Out of the community, you didn't have your needs met because society didn't. The church was such a radical counterculture in which all people, not just certain select few, had their needs met. The kind of people who get left behind by society get lifted up in the church. That's one of the things I love about Riverside. With all that goes on here, we've heard a few even now. The activities, both within Riverside, meeting needs here, there, and everywhere. Some practical, some spiritual, some caring, some just looking out for others' needs. But not just within Riverside. 
as we give to Riverside, Riverside we then give out beyond here. Why? Because it's not a certain group of people we want to look after. But actually we want people that even we will never meet to get to hear about Jesus. To have needs met. That's the kind of community that is radical generosity. And many of us will know of our experiences through the ministries we're involved with or the things that we're doing. You know, even today, there's people preparing lunch right now to extend radical generosity to anyone that wants a meal. Anyone could pitch up and have a meal. That's brilliant. So not exclusive, not a certain group of people and not mine, but ours. Third thing is this. Their generosity was radically different to the society around them. Now, we've all been through kind of up the high street or wherever it is, on New Street or wherever it is, and people jump in our way and said, you know, do you want to sign up for this charity? Or someone's knocked on your door and do you want to sign up, you know, do you want a standing order for this charity, whatever it is? And you feel a bit awkward, a bit pressurized. You know, it's only two pounds, you could do it. You feel a bit bad about it, but, you know, no thanks and move on. But what's interesting is the approach to generosity. Let me read to you. So verse 34, it goes on like this. There was, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, there was no needy, among a, no needy person among them. And Luke carries on in this way. And I've not got it on the screen, but he says this. There was no needy person among them all. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Do you see that? It wasn't that they asked, we need this help over here. Okay, yeah, I'll do it. It was actually a natural outflowing of generosity. They weren't obliged. They didn't feel a duty. It was just from time to time, those who had it gave of it. That's why Paul in, in 2 Corinthians says these words. He talks about giving shouldn't be done reluctantly or under compulsion. And so the idea of jumping away, please sign the form, is not how the early church was. Those who had were able to give. If you didn't, you gave less. It's fine. And part of that is why we're here at Riverside. Uh, I, for example, and many of the leadership team don't know the details of who gives or how much they give. We don't want to. It's intentional. The only people who do are the actual people who really need to know because they've got to process it, you know, because they've actually got to do the sort of the admin around it. But that's deliberate because it's not, you know, I don't care. But actually, it's an outpouring and natural generosity that just bubbles up as we see needs. The Holy Spirit inspired generosity is not about the money, it's about the freedom of heart because of what Jesus has done for us. So that's the third thing. Radically different from, it's not, you know, need your money, need your money. No. But the fourth thing is this. So not mine, but ours. Not exclusive to a certain group, but wide. Radically different, not because of demanding. But the fourth thing is this. Do you notice the key phrase? Let me put it again. Verse 33 says this. And God's grace was so powerfully at work among them. There was no needy among them. That's the key, isn't it? Grace. God's grace. It's only remember when we remember what we have been given, are we then freed to then give. It's only when we remember God's generosity that he gave of his very self, his own son for us to die on a cross, rise up from the grave. It's only when we grasp how big that is that we're then free. What are we, 
What's money mean? And I want to honor, forgive me for this, I want to honor Dave and Linda in this. I know we had a number of conversations in that story you told, Dave, that story about not sure where ICY is going to go. Here are a couple, and there are many others, but there are many others. But here are a couple who have done the tight but right, God's timing is tight but right, modeled that brilliantly. Because there have been moments where it's gone right down to the wire, and God was provided. And there's a sense there that actually when we know what God has done for us, he gave his only son, therefore we can trust him. Even if it goes down to the wire, he's a good father that really does love us and has got us. And therefore, when we realize that grace is not deserved, just lavish, so then can we then freely give to others. And the key then to being more generous isn't because we should. It's not because someone else does it brilliantly. We give, we become more generous when we realize what God's done for us the grace that we've been given, that we then extend to others. And so that's why we've got a giving review at the moment. You'll see on your seats if you're around some of those forms, the giving review. If you're a regular member of Riverside and you've not reviewed, not reviewed your giving regularly, please feel free to. We'd love to encourage you to do that. Details on the screen. If you've not done that before, you can just simply text Riverside Give to that number and it will automatically send you to a link where you can set it up and all that sort of stuff. But with all those things in mind... Not because you've been here on a Sunday and you feel a bit, ooh, a bit guilty about it. No. Actually, the hope is that we're so gripped by what God has done and is doing and the potential amongst us that we freely want to give.